Grew up in a little house of eight kids. Nobody prepared me for how life is. But I learned a lot of prayers. Dad thought God was all there was. And we knew when we broke his heart, we'd quickly be the wayward members of the bad, bad family. Bad family. Bad family, a podcast about black sheep, bad kids, bad family. Let's get started. Hey, Coco. Hey, Lincoln. How's it going? Oh, that's pretty good. Can you hear everyone, Lindsay? Yeah, I can. Well, how's it going? How are you guys? Doing pretty good right now. I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired too. Even though it's only Tuesday, um... It feels like it's like Thursday or Friday. I've just done so much deep work the past two days. It feels Mm. like I've already worked the entire week. Yikes. (laughs) Which I guess Um, is kind of like humble brag. It's like I got (laughs) so much work done in two days. It was like five days. But really, I've done like just so productive. An incredible amount of things I needed to do mostly like budget stuff like I built Uh I probably built eight spreadsheets in the past two days you know investigating stuff I needed to look at before I make decisions and it was a lot (laughs) I like that stuff you know I like the numbers but it is I feel exhausted figuring all of that out we have had very different um past two days today is actually my last day of vacation um i took the week off because i was originally going to a music festival but then that got canceled so what festival um i was gonna go to this festival in michigan called electric forest with some friends that's cool i've never Um, heard of that is it just like an electronic music yeah it's like a giant electronic music um party in michigan (laughs) Is it like electronic, like explosions in the sky, or is it like house music? Um, it probably leans more house. Um, honestly, electronic music isn't my go-to favorite, but uh, the art installations at the festival are really fun, and the scenery, and there are like oftentimes some bands that I really get into. Well, that sounds cool. I mean, to derail us a little bit, speaking of, like, electronic music, have you ever listened to the band Gek 100? No. Uh-uh. Okay, well, it's this, <laughs> it's this band I listened to this week because they referenced it on the Planet Money TikTok. Thank you, I Lindsay. love TikTok. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay, for showing me that TikTok could be educational. I didn't know that they had one. Planet Money TikTok is really funny. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. But anyway, they reference Gek 100, which is this band um, or this group. Do you call mm-hmm. it a band if it's just two people without traditional instruments? You call it a band. I don't know. <laughs> like Daft Punk is a band. It's just two Canadian dudes. Yeah, I guess that's a band then. But anyway, I um, I like them. I think it's interesting. But Matt hated them. He said it just sounds like beeps and boops, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So you know, sometimes beeps and boops are enough. Yeah, we're all different. I have a very inclusive view of what I like with music. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which is like another way of saying that I don't have very selective taste in music. It's hard for me not to like something. There are things I don't like, but for the most part, I like everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is what it is. I mean, I enjoy liking everything better in my mind than being a snob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you like it, you like it. If you like it, you like it. Well, for our getting us moving along, for our tell us apart moment, I thought we would, a fun thing to do would be to talk about our biggest fears. Um, sure. You Our have- darkest secret fears. You got it. <laughs> um, do you want me to start? Or do you guys have fears you're willing to? No, you go ahead. I don't have anything off the top of my head. All right. My number one fear is ticks. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, ticks. But my number two fear is like irrelevance it's like wasting my life and not using it to do any good or anything productive and feeling at the end of my life like I had made every wrong choice and gone every wrong way that led me to depression and despair instead of happiness (laughs) yeah that resonates okay (laughs) I would say yeah that I was going to say, like, uh, inadequacy. Uh, Like, speak more on that. Oh, just the fear of, um, like, not having the talent to do what I, like, to make the kind of things creative things that I would want to do <laughs> you know that that's probably my biggest fear apart from uh clowns I guess <laughs> I'm <scared> of clowns. <laughs> did you know there's like a restaurant in Richmond I don't know if it still exists but it existed when I was in high school because before homecoming I went to this restaurant um once I was on a date with Matt Newman, probably my only one of like two dates I had in high school. And it was like a friend date. Um, but I went with Matt Newman to a homecoming and we went to this like restaurant in downtown Richmond. It might have been in the fan. I can't remember. But it was whatever the Italian word is for clown, like Il Tagliana or something like that. It might not be that but similar. And the whole restaurant was filled with uh, portraits and paintings of clowns. <laughs> One time, Lincoln, do you remember this? One time. Taco the- Bell? Taco Bell. No, Wasn't the time when Bell? you and. No, it was in Arby's, I think. Oh, you and uh... my went to Dogwood Dell, and we were seeing some production. Um, and then it started to rain and they shut it down and we went home and it was like thundering lightning and we hadn't eaten dinner and mom was like let's pull into this Arby's and as we were pulling in 
it had those glass windows in the front and we could just see like a ton of clowns inside <laughs> and i was like let's drive through let's drive through i don't want to go mm-hmm. in there let's drive through and mom's like you what think- are you talking about let's go inside and you think it was a birthday in. party like what was it no i don't know they were all just i mean clowns like gotta eat but... they were just in there <laughs> they were just going about their business but it was unsettling I yeah i'm not like a big it. clown guy either I'm not afraid of clowns, but I am afraid of creepy stuff. So, like, basically, I'm afraid of the uncanny. So, like, anything that should be normal but just suddenly becomes weird, I'm afraid of that. Mm. So, a normal clown, completely fine. A clown who's, like, giving you a side eye and suddenly becomes creepy. (laughs) I'm terrified. Yeah. (laughs) It was the setting, for sure. The setting definitely didn't help. I don't mind, like... A birthday clown i can deal with that that wouldn't make me hyperventilate yeah lincoln what about you what do you fear um i was thinking and i am having trouble like separating like what's a fear from what's an insecurity you know um so like fear wise i don't like spiders or horror movies um we're all kind of big babies about horror movies oh my gosh i hate horror movies so much (laughs) everyone i meet is like horrors i love horror uh i only like them from like an academic context do you know what i mean like if i'm writing a paper about a horror movie it's fascinating if i'm like watching it for entertainment no thank you that's not what yeah. i that's not entertaining me no thank you <laughs> i like a few you know like i liked um get out get out was good yeah i never that's saw I... get out so i need to watch uh, it it was very good i just it's don't not... like thrillers um courtney i know you said that you watched midsommar a while ago and i fucking hated that movie <laughs> I mean, I thought it was beautiful, but it was also, I don't know, I wanted to say gross. <laughs> it's not like it was just like so disturbing on so many, mm-hmm. on so many levels. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I, I actually so I... felt like I hated it when I watched it, Lincoln, but I don't mind it after the fact. I have very strong feelings in the moment and later I'm like, glad I saw that. Don't want to watch it again. <laughs> Well, I think that movie particularly scared me because, like, I have taken psychedelics in the past, so I know, like, how crazy and perspective, like, shifting those are. And just imagining, like, combining that with crazy murder uh, sex rituals freaked well, now you're me spoiling out. It. Oh, sorry, listeners. Have you not uh, seen it? And that doesn't you... happen. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but that's okay. I kind of had an inkling <laughs> i mean i think you can probably get that from the the trailer but yeah nothing specific but it is it's it is it's like bright and lovely and horrifying i think they call it a sunshine horror i think that's what the genre is mm-hmm. called yikes where it Please can like link it one know more about your psychedelics experience um what about them <laughs> and and which one i don't know if you had a story um. Yeah, I don't know anything I about. We talked about it a little bit because I did mushrooms one time, and I think I talked to you before that. And <laughs> I didn't have a lot, but I, I was like, 
we took a little bit and I was like, I don't feel like these these are working. And then I just immediately became like we got in the pool mm-hmm. and I was like trying to dunk people. I just turned into like a kid. <laughs> like, they all went inside and I was just like doing the dead man float. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. It was really fun actually. Um yeah, mine are mine are fairly normal. Um I used to go to this park by my park. friend's house. Um and there was like a lake and I just sit on this bench watching the lake. Um and I could tell that I was still like being affected by um, the psychedelic because I would look down at um, the bench I was sitting on and it was a green bench and to me it just looks like the greenest bench I've ever seen in my whole life um, cool yeah oh that's the end of the story <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, it was I think a I damn green bench <laughs> and then, because when when you're on something like that your pupils dilate so you can take in more and you can see like colors more vividly. So everything looks a little bit sharper and you can take in more at once. Mm. That's fascinating. Did I ever tell you about the first time I did, uh, or the first time I took an edible? Um, um, I think you told me that you felt like you time traveled. Oh yeah. Well, we I took a little bit and then Sophie and I watched Anne of Green Gables because oh, we were yeah. like, right, this is going to be the right like mood. And we watched the whole thing, and it's so long. And it didn't kick in. I was like, this thing, this didn't even work. And then I went in to wash my face, and as I was splashing water on my face, I was like, time is a river. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That reminds me of the time I was in Salt Lake City visiting my best friend, Stan and Lisa. Um, and Lisa was putting the kids to bed, but Dan and I wanted to go have an adventure. So we go get in the car. And Dan wants to smoke weed, so he's like, I think he had a, what is it called when it's a, a vapor and not a blunt? A vaporizer? A oh, yeah. A vape. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I'm like the most square noob about drugs of us all. It's okay. But, um, yeah, so he wanted to vape, so he was like vape as much as you can (laughs) so he was we were he was trying to get me really high while he takes me to a secret location of the adventure where we're going that we're going to have and guess where we go where the mormon history museum (laughs) yikes no No, that would give me anxiety (laughs) it's like i'm high god knows (laughs) yeah so dan is like cracking up but he his plan was to get me high and then take me to the mormon history museum i think that's what it's called or like the joseph smith museum or something no but that's a nightmare (laughs) but get this not only are there missionaries everywhere there is a 3d like imax theater where you watch like a brand new movie about joseph smith's first vision (laughs) no (laughs) and it's like very scary it's like quite scary there's a very dark element to it okay that that shits on my green bench story (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah the green bench didn't have much of an arc by comparison I was trying to go mild. I thought that was pretty funny. 
So I actually don't think I was that high. I uh, I have never really done any drugs. I've done weed maybe twice, maybe three times. But I don't, I don't think it's ever really affected me. It didn't feel like it affected me at that uh, Joseph Smith Museum. The only other time I ever smoked weed that I remember was <laughs> was in New York at this garden party with models. It was like all Whoa. <laughs> it was all these models because my friend Carrie Kim, or maybe I maybe I should edit out her name. My friend Carrie um, is a beautiful model, and so of course her friends. Actually, maybe she would be mad that I said model uh, actor. She's a very very talented actor with films, you know, on HBO and always doing things all over the place, but. Um, a bunch of her friends were there and they were all seemed to be beautiful actors working in New York. Um, and so I was sitting around with Matt and these people I didn't really know, um, eating in this beautiful garden with twinkling lights. And also they were passing around weed. <laughs> and I didn't feel anything. I was like, I don't feel anything at all. But Matt was like, kept saying, like, you're very high. You are very high right now. <laughs> That's funny. I feel like it's usually the opposite. I feel like I'm usually like, people are going to know that I'm high. <laughs> they can tell. Well, I think I probably was very high in that moment. But the only reason I... I think that is because we went home and we ordered Chinese food and we ate a lot of Chinese food. I was like, that was probably the, like, just desserts. That was probably the... <laughs> that sounds pretty good. I love munchies. The evidence. But really, those I have almost no drug experience. I'm not really interested in drugs. Fine. Alcohol is a drug. That's true. Coffee is a drug. I feel like within our culture, those things are kind of excluded. Um, with without, I mean, except for things like Mormonism, where, um, of course, they're considered harmful substances within Mormonism. But I feel like otherwise, yeah. people don't really, even though alcohol clearly is a drug and you can become addicted to it, I don't think people think of it. Or classify well, it as a harmful substance so unless you're an abuser. Yeah. Well, it's very tied to uh, culture in a lot of ways. And I don't know that, uh, or at least Western culture, that drugs like psychedelics or marijuana are in the same way. Yeah, I mean, they've been They've been around since, like, the 70s-ish. Yeah. Well, uh, pushing us along, I guess let's get to the hard part. I wasn't sure what I wanted to talk about this episode, so I thought we would do a little choose-your-own-adventure type situation. Where I let you guys choose the topic, since I normally lead. <laughs> cool. Thank so you, Coco. My, my thoughts were we could either talk about um, relationship advice, our best advice uh, for succeeding and thriving in relationships, 
or we could talk about millennial culture, which I'm fascinated by and like the differences between millennials and other generations. Um, or we could talk about um, institutional Mormonism and how it helped us and how it hurt us. Mm. Relationship advice, um, institutional Mormonism. What was the middle one again? Millennial culture. Millennial culture Millennial versus culture. other generations. Um. Yeah, your call link. You can uh, you can make the call. Sure. Baby <clears throat> makes the call. Um. All right, let's do relationship advice. All right, sounds good. So I consider, <laughs> I considered making like a top 10 relationship advice, like counting down backwards to my absolute best piece of advice. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I decided that was just overthinking it. I thought instead we should just, you know, as we do talk about our relationship experiences and what we learned. That sounds good. Uh, my number one piece, or I guess like a big piece of relationship uh, advice I have is that you should never expect your partner to be all people and all things to you. Mm. That it's yeah. kind of an impossible standard to have your partner be your lover and your best friend and the best you know, mother or father and the best cook and the funniest and the most attractive and six two and your and, therapist <laughs> and your therapist and the mother and father you never had. <laughs> you know, not only like the best parent to your kids, but the the like parental figure you needed. It's just too much. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally fair. That it's better just to have like clear boundaries on what you need in a partner and what you want a partner to be to you. Kind of like how in arranged marriages, they're not looking for, you know, all the romance and all of the everything. It's just like, it was more like a business. Like, could we successfully together (laughs) accomplish the things that we needed to do? You know, whether that was like run the farm or run the family, it was just much more logical. And I think it can be really helpful to have a more left brain versus right brain approach. Mm. Yeah, I think that's smart. I think my advice um, is going to focus heavily on communication like you have to be able to communicate in order to have a good relationship and even on top of that you need to know how to communicate like when you get to a fight um so if you can do an argument and you're both heated you need to like recognize when to um take a break or say like hey let's take a break for a minute and then come back when we calm down mm. I think that's smart. I I actually think communication is the absolute most important. I've dated good communicators and bad communicators. 
And I'm not a good communicator. I really have to work on it because I don't like it's work. You know, it's like work to communicate, and I don't yeah. like to do it. I don't, feel like yeah. we, I don't think it was modeled well for us. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, it was not. Um, so I feel like it's work, and so it's easier for me when I'm dating someone who's a good communicator. But if I'm dating someone who is like my equal and struggling with communication, it's like you have to work even harder, which is not bad. It's just something that you do. But it's like you have to put in extra work to make sure that you're not misunderstanding one another or that if you're having problems, you're not just like holding resentment and not saying anything. But you talk through every, you know, things that bother you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I find that in like friendships too. That it's difficult sometimes to like advocate for my feelings um, if there's like something that's bothering me. Sometimes I'm just much more prone to like ignore it and uh, like not acknowledge the anger until the same thing happens again, and then I'm like tiny resentments (laughs) yeah but obviously that's like something that is good to learn not just in romantic relationships but in all relationships i mean conflict is super hard yeah for all of us i think my best Mm -hmm. practice is to address i'm i mean i'm very direct but i think it's always worked best for me to kindly but directly call things out immediately so if i'm like feelings are hurt or i'm having an issue just to say like help me understand this (laughs) you said this and it makes me feel this but just by saying something and kind of better understanding where the person comes from i feel like just by being able to voice my piece or my feelings i can drop it where if i don't say anything um I feel a lot of resentment or begin to like hate the person or like my feelings change when it's not fair. Yeah. It's not fair to do that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if there's an issue in your relationship, you need to talk it out. Um, but if you're just feeling like annoyed or you had a bad day, I'll... I can hear you, Lincoln. I think we lost Lincoln. Yeah, I lost you. I guess he's having a bad day. <laughs> you know one of the things I, I remember when I got married something someone said was like don't go to bed angry I don't really agree with that it's fine to go to bed angry you're not gonna like yeah. cash out every mother freaking thing you know at two in the morning I don't really think that's helpful I don't function yeah, well especially if you're both you know if it's a tense situation it's better to let you know let it diffuse a little bit before you talk about it yeah i think it's i was thinking it was like pushing you constantly to address things that you're not like ready to talk about yeah i think it's perfectly fine to give one another space i wouldn't let problems like unaddressed problems or feelings go for long periods of time but i think it's perfectly yeah. fine to have space to figure out how you truly feel about something or exactly like you said 
to calm down so you can be rational and not 100% freaking mad. Yeah. Um, anyway, what's your relationship advice? I actually don't know how many relationships you've had. I know you had some in college and, and past that. Do you feel like you've learned a lot from what you've experienced as of yet? I feel like I've learned more uh, not being in a relationship. You know, I think it's maybe my, you know, having not been in that many relationships and not being in one in a long time. I think it's become pretty clear how important it is to like you know have a good relationship with yourself before <laughs> <laughs> you can have a relationship with anybody else um yeah, that's true i mean i yeah, think I you know. have to love yourself or it's hard you know to be happy with anyone else if you hate yourself you're not going to be happy in any partnership yeah I'm trying to think of other anything more specific than just learning to communicate better. Ooh. Just threw my threw my vape at my computer. <laughs> no problem. Um, I always uh, I feel like I have a very big heart with relationships, meaning like it's very easy for me to overlook problems. I had a girlfriend tell me that I always date the potential. Like, basically, it was like a a nice neg. You know, it was like, you date people I would never date, but they're so nice. (laughs) But you're so nice. No, but they're so nice, you know. Oh, that's that's nice, I guess. They have so much potential, but... At the same time, I don't mind that at all. I feel like I've definitely dated people who worked and who didn't work, who were good fits and who were not good fits. But like the yeah. the thread through them all was that I think they were all good people with good hearts and that's good enough for me. So even if they weren't like yeah. my person, they're not people that I ever regretted dating. It was like a learning experience of what I want or what I most prefer. Yeah. I think we've talked about this a little bit. I think you like, or you, you, you're more of a relationship. Like you like being in a relationship. (laughs) Uh, I've never conceptualized that that's what I do, but I do. I'm very monogamous. I tend to move from like relationship to relationship. Even when I'm like yeah. playing the field, it's like I'll start dating and immediately that person will become my boyfriend. And I used to laugh with my girlfriends about it. I would be like, I'm just trying to have fun. And then they always ask me if I want to be their girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> they just always love me too much. They just always know a good thing when they see it. But that has historically yeah. been my experience. That I just always tend to find myself very, which is a lucky experience. It's just very, always been very easy for me post high school, you know, once I was an adult on my own to just find myself in relationships. Yeah, that's interesting. That hasn't been my experience, but I also don't think that I'm like, um, I don't like it as much. I don't think I'm as patient <laughs> in uh, meeting people. 
Uh, I think between us, I'm more of the like smoother and facilitator. Does that make sense? Like, I, yeah, in relationships and in life, in many ways, maybe it's like people pleasing. I'm very, I like people. I'm very people pleasing. I like things to go really nicely and like a comfortable flow. It's very easy for me to see others needs and try and make sure everyone's taken care of and and kind of happy you know I have like that very motherly streak to me and mm-hmm. so it's just very natural for me to keep things moving or just like make yeah. sure everybody's okay where I think you are much more uh I mean this nicely but I think you are a lot pickier than me or like Perhaps you have higher standards in terms of what you will accept and what you will not accept, which I don't mean to sound negative about relationships. I've been very happy with everyone I've dated, but I do feel like uh, maybe I'm willing to give people chances or try things that I don't think you would try. Yeah, that could be true. I feel like I, you know... It feels like uh, sometimes I feel like a cat where I'm just, for the most part, like most of the time, fine on my own (laughs) and like not bothered by it. And if somebody new comes along, um, it like often takes me a second to warm up to them. Um, That's interesting. Not necessarily a bad thing. I can not that I like never get lonely or whatever, but I do feel like at this point I'm very, you know, used to just being on my own. I can see that. And like my friends having my life and I don't I think it'd be nice to have somebody, you know, to have a partner, but also I don't go throughout my days like feeling like I'm missing that in a you know every once in a while I'm like that would be nice (laughs) that would be lovely I get that I feel like I'm a little bit cat-like and sometimes where I'm territorial meaning like if I if I'm meeting new people who want to be friends I'm a bit of me is like I already have friends (laughs) yeah well, that's how I feel about boys sometimes. Well, and the thing about like resources, and I'll be like, "Yeah, I'm just like I, you know, I have friends, and uh, you know, if I don't like spending my time with you after a date or two, then why would I continue to, <laughs> you know, continue to see you? I've got friends. I've got you know stuff I'm doing. I think that's fair." Uh, I mean, maybe you're like, especially with what I think, I think ideally it would be great to like meet somebody in person. App dating is like not, I don't know. I don't love it. I've met some nice people. Like I've made friends with some people that I've been out with before and like didn't end up fully dating, but I don't like Something about the dynamic is weird. (laughs) I'm sure I've spoken to you about this before. It's probably hard to find 
people you're actually interested in. I haven't app dated that much. I mean, I've been dating Matt since... Uh, since like 2015, right? It's been a while. Yeah, like end of 2015. So almost five years now. Um, and before that, you know, I was married for a long time. So it was only like a brief window where I was on apps. But I felt like there were a lot of people playing around which is fine but it's like not what I, I'm not that's just not my personality related to Mormonism and who I am as a person but also even people who I would go on dates with a lot of times it was like very obvious from the moment that we met that there was no connection <laughs> no, oh, ro- yeah. no romantic connection times. Which was fine. I actually became friends with like a few people that I went on dates with. But like if I could tell immediately it was there was not a romantic connection, I would tell them. In a nice yeah. way. Do you know what I mean? Like after the first date. <laughs> I I would say have so. not always done that. I wish I've like I think I'm too passive. I've like allowed people to kiss me before that I didn't really want to kiss me. Just because they were like already leaning in have you no respect for yourself (laughs) not always (laughs) I guess that is like so passive it's like it'd be easier to just kiss him and forget it (laughs) yeah Yeah, kind of Uh, one time I went on a date with uh, somebody I didn't definitely wasn't really feeling and then uh, I called my lift. Like, I called my own lift. <laughs> we were walking out, and he was like, I think he asked if I wanted to go to another, you know, get a, a drink somewhere else or something. And I was like, mm, I have to go home. I already called my lift. <laughs> and he was already leaning in for a kiss. And I was like, Ugh. okay. And just immediately hopped in the car when I got there. Oh, you did. And like, this number. <laughs> I think you got stuck by not having, like, a, ever thought about that scenario before. Do you know what I mean? Because if you had had, like, a planned idea in your head where you were like, oh, no, I've already called my lift. I'm sorry. I've got to leave early. And then he was leaning in. And you could have, you know, you could have just, like, turned sideways for, like, a kiss on the cheek or, you know, <laughs> given the different signals of, like, I had a really great time. I really yeah. appreciate this. Well, that's what I thought. It's I like, didn't feel like it was I, a love I, connection, I but you're a great person. Signals. If you'd ever like to do anything as yeah. friends, you know, let's chat. But I like to be very, very clear about where I am. Yeah. Well, this is just, like, a general. I need to be clearer, I think. <laughs> yeah. About uh, well, I also, in my relationship, but maybe your ideal situation too is for you to have a friendship that like eventually blossoms into more. Yeah, because I think you're mistrustful of outsiders. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. I'm also just kind of wary of like getting my feelings hurt too. It's fine to get your feelings hurt, though. I think it is very helpful in a growth experience. Though, of course, no one wants to be rejected or, you know, nobody wants to be hurt at the end of the day. And people go to great lengths to avoid it. So. That's true. 
Anyway, let's take a short break and we'll figure out where Little Lincoln is. Okay. Okay. Hey, can you hear me? (laughs) Welcome back, everyone. Apparently, when Lincoln dropped off the podcast, he could hear us and was commenting the entire time as if we could hear him. Yeah, well, I um, I said when I came back online, like a second later, like, can you hear me? And then I thought that you said yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. So tell us what you were saying. No, yeah, tell us what your uh, grand thoughts and um, interjections were. Oh, I don't even. Um, Lindsay, conflict is hard. Um... I don't remember all of them. But that, that's, that's <laughs> well, good input. Glad we got you back on. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Well, I mean, I actually think we were like really digging in to some things with, uh, you know, fears, even fears around relationships. Yeah. yeah. How it can, even before the relationship can start, how our personal hangups can really derail things not necessarily sync things but they really affect sometimes the your relationship and how things go um one thing i said when i was offline was um the more you get hurt the like less likely you are going to be to want to go out there and try to meet people because it just makes you hesitant you know you remember how much things sucked before and you don't want to feel that yeah Yeah, I mean, that's like my own hang up about not being able to get married again. Yeah, I just, it's not like I physically couldn't. It's just like, it's a huge barrier in my mind. I have so much negative around that. Yeah. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, when I was single, I I don't know. I used to read like a lot of like self help books because I liked them. I thought they were interesting. Um, and in one of them, someone said that like being vulnerable and like going out there again, even though you're afraid of getting hurt is brave. Um, And they like, they talked about vulnerability being a strength and I really, really enjoyed that. Mm. So that helped me in the dating game. Yeah, I do think that's true. I think that's great advice that I often give to other people. (laughs) (laughs) Vulnerability is a huge strength and not just in relationships. Uh, I think in all areas of our life, but even in work, So I don't know if I've ever shared this, but I had this when I, did I talk about this on the podcast earlier? I had this horrible, I think maybe I did, where it was like so hard for me when I first um, took on my role at work and it was so stressful and I was kind of losing my mind and having like stress breakdowns and panic attacks. And like the minute that I was able to be vulnerable and tell my boss and tell my team that I was not doing okay, like that's when I started to get help. That's when like my work life got a million times better. Just, you know, 
asking for help, you get it. Letting people see you're not okay, you get help. Saying nothing, you get no help. Yeah. Another example is when I was getting divorced, I was doing so shitty, like the absolute worst emotionally that I've ever been in my life. But I wasn't getting any help or support. And that's not uncommon because people do not know how to support people with emotional pain and like emotional burdens. But at that same time, I got into a very bad bike accident where I was hospitalized and had stitches and I got hit by a car and I just got fucked up. And the minute that that happened to me, I got so much help. (laughs) I really conceptualized that as like a blessing. Like it was like I had to get physically injured to get the emotional support that I needed. Because, you know, long before I got hit by a car and got fucked up, I was like, in, I was 100,000 times more fucked up, but not getting any support. Yeah. Well, people should treat emotional, like, fucked upness more seriously. Emotional pain. Um, but I guess physical pain is more visible. Yeah, I think it's easier for people to, like, send love or, like, provide meals or like all of the outpouring of love and support you would usually do it's very easy to do when there's like a death in the family or someone's ill or someone's injured and it's very hard to do when so or socially or culturally it's difficult to do when someone's like going through a divorce or you know that they're experiencing bad depression or you know that you know they just lost their job you know like different things where it's like socially a little bit awkward i feel like people just don't act yeah and i um to deal with that kind of pain i think you have to like open up to someone and be vulnerable and it's kind of i don't know it is harder for most people to go beyond to like um uh saying chin up bud yeah Yeah, I think so, too. Well, any other relationship advice you can think of we should pass on to our... Or pass on to each other, even. Mm. Lincoln, what have you learned? Date people you like. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. Lincoln, what have you learned from your current relationship? Because I perceive you to be very serious with Haley. Yeah, we are serious. Um, communication, getting better at fights. Um, sort of the stuff that I started with. Um, yeah, just finding someone that you're comfortable with and that you think is a like a good match who can like you can help them with things and they can help you with things. I like the word partner. You got to find someone who can be a partner to you. That's exactly right. I also feel like it's good to have someone whose strengths are your weaknesses and vice versa. And also sometimes even your interests are different. I don't know about you guys, but I don't like to have the same interests as my partner. 
Something about them being my partner makes me want to have different interests. (laughs) And also something about a person being my partner makes me not interested in whatever they're interested in. (laughs) (laughs) So, for example, like when I married Quinn, I was very into bikes and photography. Um, mm-hmm. and like immediately after Mary and Quinn, like photography was his thing. So I was not interested in photography. <laughs> um, I mean, I still liked riding my bikes, but I became less interested in bikes. It was like, I just feel like in relationships, you each need to have your own space. You just need mm-hmm. to have your own things. And so I think even subconsciously, I was always like figuring out the boundaries of like who gets what or who likes what who gets what thing, which I don't think it has to actually be that black and white. But for me personally, um, I don't know. It's like, as soon as I start to date you, um, I become uninterested in some of your interests (laughs) and don't want to hear you talking about them for long periods of time. (laughs) Yeah. I like having shared interests, but there are definitely some things that I want for myself and some things that like Haley can keep. She's really big into stitching. And I think that's, I think it's really boring. <laughs> like she likes it, then whatever. <laughs> um, she does this thing called uh, shishiko stitching. It's like a Japanese kind of mending stitching um, that she thinks is really cool. And she'll do it to her pants or like different other projects. You're going to have to send me a picture. I've never heard of this. Sure, yeah. Shiko stitching. That's cool. I just Googled. I get that. Matt likes to talk to me about history and about war movies. I mean, and I even like history, but when he start when he's starting to talk to me about some like nuanced war history thing based on something that we're watching, like I can feel my eyes glaze over. <laughs> I'm like trying to be like, yeah, babe, yeah, <laughs> that's nice, honey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, really? I'm happy that you're happy. <laughs> I'm like trying to be supportive and say, tell me more when I actually mean, tell me less. <laughs> reluctantly act. Oh, that's, that's something that I can add to our relationship um, discussion is listen, even if you don't feel like listening to what they're talking about. Oh, yeah, you have to. And you can't pretend to listen. You actually need to listen. Yeah, I know. Haley got mad at me the other day because she was talking and I was on my phone. Oh, shit! <laughs> Sorry. I struggle with I that. I do that all the time. Ooh, not good. That's a very generational but thing. But it's like... Not generational, even cultural thing, which we all need no, to No, but sometimes on. I'm like... Sometimes it's just like fidgeting. You know, it's not like I'm looking at Twitter every time, but sometimes somebody's talking to me and I just can't... Maybe this is like... I do it without thinking, too. Yeah. Well, it's not like I'm focusing on something else the entire time. Like, sometimes I'm just playing a, you know, it's just somewhere else to look. Like, if you're just playing a little game that doesn't require a lot of attention. Uh, But, I mean, like, in specific social settings, though, I'll look at my phone if I'm bored or anxious. Or, like, I'm just feeling very depleted. It's like a way to escape from being there while you're still there. 
Yeah. But I think everyone kind of feels that cue. If you're talking to someone and they're looking at their phone, it feels very rude. Even though people do the exact same thing to their neighbor or friend, it feels very yeah. rude. Yeah, it is rude. I I just have to be conscious of when I do it because otherwise I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, I need to be a better listener. Actually, I've learned through these podcasts that we're doing. Um, if I ever listen back, I will hear new things that I didn't hear the first time, probably because I was thinking about what I was about to say instead of listening to what you were saying, <laughs> yeah. which has actually deeply helped me to understand how important it is to be a good listener and how not to be in our heads, but how to be present. And <laughs> I don't think it's a skill that is ever talked about. Well, y'all know about the types of listening, right? No, but I don't read self-help books, it's... so so give it to Sorry. us. <laughs> yeah. Well, batter up. Well, there are different types of listening. So, um, like one type of listening is not listening. Um, above the level above that is like um, it's like reactive listening. I think it's called where you listen to them with the purpose of thinking of what you're about to say next. Um. And I may be missing a step here, but like the highest level of listening is called active listening, I think, where you are listening to someone and you like ask them questions afterwards about why did they say this thing? What was the purpose behind um, what they said? Yeah, I actually think I learned about this at a work seminar where I was learning. It was like an executive leadership institute where I was learning how to become a better leader and manager i distinctly mm-hmm. remember them using the phrase phrase active listening and saying things like ask why <laughs> and when you know like why do you feel that yeah. way when do you feel that way what no it was like ask why and what what blah 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 instead of thinking about what you're saying next like deeply listening and like asking yeah. more for myself, I find it's very helpful just to say, tell me more. I feel like you can have whole conversations where you're just like, tell me more. Yeah. Speak more on that. <laughs> um, one thing that I've like used is, I heard someone say once, uh, I'm hearing a theme between like these events that you're bringing up. Can you unpack that or speak more oh it. jesus <laughs> yeah pop, pop, pop. oh yeah i like that because it's like causing that's like level five yeah Tell it's like more. causing someone to dig deeper um i had yeah. a therapist like that once who was amazing who the best therapist i've ever had in my life but she would listen to me and then say back exactly what i had said but but somehow like adding a level of meaning on it she would say things like what I hear you saying is XXX and like that thing was something I had never realized for myself where I would be like oh oh (laughs) (laughs) so yeah active listening can be well I think it's definitely aspirational Mm -hmm. not there yet but I'd like to be same Well, I'm wishing you both very, very well in your relationships. I feel like not just romantic relationships, but, you know, 
friend relationships, family relationships are like, in my mind, some of like the gut core of what makes us happy or what sustains us through, you know, time and through all things. <laughs> what did you say earlier, Lindsay? You were like, time is a river. <laughs> yeah, time, is, time a is a river. That's what I discovered through this twisted river so um i do think it's helpful to think about how to do it well i feel like it's always helpful to be thoughtful and to be honest and to be selfless and even to be funny i think everyone all of our best friends love you know our pithy observations that's why we're friends yeah um in a relationship i think you should be selfless, but like to a point, because you got to take care of yourself too. So knowing where that boundary is, is important as well. Oh yeah. And that is something that needs to be learned. Yeah. That's a tricky one too. Finding that boundary of, of, you know, wanting to love your love and support your partner and make them happy, but knowing within yourself, what's good for you, what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. And I honestly don't know how people know that. I honestly think it's experience. It's like why I think people have to date at least a couple of different people to get some kind of empirical evidence about what makes them happy and what doesn't. (laughs) But I don't know. Well, anyway, I love you guys. Love Love you. you too. Love you and want you to have happy healthy fulfilling romantic and non-romantic drug-free relationships (laughs) nope nope you lost me (laughs) (laughs) but for most of that yeah (laughs) yeah all right well that was our you know bad families relationship advice coming from um three unmarried and the 33% divorced population. So I'm sure it's all. (laughs) So it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out well. No, I actually think it was, it's helpful talking about the wisdom of our years. They're not everybody's years, but everybody's life experience probably conglomerates into like some kind of ultimate wisdom. Like if every person on earth were to share their relationship advice and we were able to do like a deep data analytics like kind of word cloud of like the phrases that stood out we would probably have like the complete essence of relationship success yeah be a big old communication word in that word cloud yeah i bet like 90 percent chance the word cloud probably had the word love in it and i don't think we mentioned the word love (laughs) (laughs) i don't think we did either (laughs) well because obviously you're gonna love the person you're with yeah or ideally Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think so too or be striving toward I mean if you don't love the person that you're with you've got a problem I mean I would say number one like when you're dating you need to like them but if if there's not even any liking moving toward greater affection it's not for you. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. for you. Oh, all right. I think that is uh that's a wrap. that's a wrap, folks. 
All right. Sounds right, good. 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 Talk to you guys Love next you guys. week. Talk to you later. Love you. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. Smell you later.